Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, June 26th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The Federal Reserve is capping dividends and banning share buybacks by big U.S. banks. I'll talk to the FT's Laura Noonan about what triggered these actions. But first, German payments company Wirecard said on Thursday it would file for insolvency. I'll talk to the FT's Dan McCrum, who's been on the story for many years. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Wirecard's insolvency marks the first by a member of Germany's prestigious DAX since the index was founded more than three decades ago. Now, if you're new to the Wirecard saga, here's a bit of a cheat sheet on what's been going on over the past few days. On Monday, it announced that nearly 2 billion euros missing from its accounts probably doesn't exist. Then, its founder and former chief executive Marcus Braun was arrested on suspicion of false accounting before being let out on bail. And then yesterday, the company filed for insolvency. So where does Wirecard go from here? FT investigative reporter Dan McCrum has more. Well, the true financial condition we're still trying to get a picture of because it announced that it owed banks 2 billion euros. And that's a very real 2 billion euros. And that was more debt than we thought that the company had. Um, It last actually put out some financial statements in September. And then on top of that 2 billion euros, it had 1.4 billion euros of debt outstanding. Then you have bills which may be due in the business. So um, I think there is going to be quite a large bill when we tot it all up. As with insolvent proceedings going on, the company is essentially in cost-cutting mode and desperately trying to salvage what, if anything, will be left. And of course, EY, Ernst & Young, is the company that had conducted the audits of Wirecard throughout uh, the last few years. So Dan, it seems to me that there were two parts to Wirecard. There was a legitimate banking business based in Munich that made little or no money, and a technology-based payments business outsourced to partners in the Philippines, Dubai, and Singapore. And it's in the outsourced businesses that false claims were made about earnings and where the alleged fraud occurred. Is that correct? You know, tell us more about these outsourced businesses and, and how they were set up. Yeah, so the outsourced business is the key to what seems to be the suspected fraud here. So the company had grown all over the world. And as it did that, it it was always a little bit vague about where it made its money, where it operated, and sort of it didn't give a particularly detailed breakdown of its business. And so what we did over the last 18 months, based on documents we had been provided by whistleblowers, was we were able to tease out that actually about half of the 2 billion in euros worth of sales reported um, in 2018. This all seemed to be based on payments processing. It wasn't doing itself, but it had outsourced to some partners. There were three of them in the Philippines, Dubai and Singapore. And at least two of them seemed very strange indeed. So the one in the Philippines that we went to visit it, my colleague uh, Stefania Palmer did a terrific job of knocking on doors there. And we found that what was listed as the headquarters of the payment business in the Philippines also shared an office with a tour bus company. And coincidentally, that tour bus company and the payments processing business were both appear to have been run by a former Wirecard employee. And then in Dubai, we knocked on the door there and... You just wouldn't find staff there, and ex-employees told us it had at most a handful of staff, and they seemed to regard a Wirecard employee as the boss. And yet, this supposed little office was doing tens of 
billions worth of uh, transactions supposedly outsourced by Wirecard. And what's becoming increasingly clear, and I should stress, we're still trying to get the full details of it, but what we essentially reported back in October was that that Dubai partner appeared to have been used to justify these huge amounts of sales and profits to EY on the basis of customers which just didn't appear to exist. And Dan, you know, I, I know it's taboo to talk about a reporter's role in the story, but it, it's hard to ignore here considering that there were attempts to intimidate you and other FT journalists as you all reported the story. So, you know, I'm curious, what's going through your mind these days? I mean, personally, it feels like this huge weight has been lifted. We always had confidence in the story. Like, we had been reporting on this company for so long that we always had a strong sense of the type of company we were dealing with. But still, when it's happening, and when this had been turned into a question of the reputation for the FT, and we were being accused of all sorts of criminal behaviour, there was quite a lot of pressure involved. And every time that we would write one of these stories, we would be confident. You don't write these stories without being confident. But there's always that sense of it being a step into the unknown. What have you missed? What have we got wrong? What could we possibly not be seeing here? And I think what really started to give us a great deal of confidence in the middle of last year, the company's response has always, as I said, it's been to say, this is very complicated. You don't understand it. But what they started to do instead was they started to just say, these documents aren't authentic. They had basically fallen back to, you're just relying on fake information. And we knew the information was good. And I think that was the point where we started to grow in confidence that uh, we were really onto something. And while we're on the topic of Wirecard and regulation, let's turn to Brussels. Valdis Dombrovkis is the EU's executive vice president in charge of financial services policy. He told the FT that he's pushing the European Securities and Markets Authority, or ESMA, to assess how Boffin, the German banking regulator, handled how it supervised Wirecard. Mr. Dombrovkis said that the EU should be prepared to pursue a formal investigation into the German regulator if the preliminary probe by ESMA shows that Boffin didn't uphold EU rules on financial reporting. The German watchdog supervised Wirecard Bank, which is a subsidiary of Wirecard. Early last year, Boffin introduced a controversial short-selling ban on Wirecard shares. Then, two months later, Boffin filed a criminal complaint against two Financial Times journalists, one of them Dan McCrum, who we just heard from. These journalists were reporting on whistleblower allegations of accounting fraud in Wirecard's Singapore subsidiary. Earlier this week, Boffin's president acknowledged that several entities, including the regulator, had not been effective at preventing what he called, quote, complete disaster at Wirecard. Every year, the Federal Reserve performs a series of exercises that look at the health of America's top banks. Yesterday, the Federal Reserve revealed an unprecedented amount of data and commentary on them. The central bank found that the pandemic could trigger hundreds of billions of dollars in loan losses and push some lenders close to their capital minimums. The FT's U.S. banking editor, Laura Noonan, has more. So the review looked at a couple of different things. One of them was the annual stress test that they've been running for the last decade or so, and that was basically looking at how banks would do in a normal shock. And that didn't find a whole lot other than what you'd expect. They also then looked at what a group of around 30 of the biggest banks operating in the US. They looked at the level of potential losses they could face 
if there was a more severe recession because of the coronavirus pandemic. So they looked at both a double dip recession and they looked at a prolonged recession. And what that showed was that that group of banks could have loan losses of around $700 billion, which is a very big number, but also more concerningly, that it could put some of the banks close to the regulatory capital minimums. So that was quite stark. They also warned a lot about how there was a lot of uncertainty around the outlook and there was some pretty conservative language in terms of the losses that the banks could face. Yeah, so so a lot of bad news here, Laura. So what actions are the Fed taking in response to these findings? So the most immediate action they have taken is they have told banks categorically, this group of 33 banks, that they cannot resume or do any share buybacks until at least the fourth quarter, and they cannot increase their dividend beyond two different requirements. One is that their dividend cannot be higher than their dividend a year ago, and the other is that their dividend cannot be higher than the average of earnings for the previous four quarters. So that's the immediate term fix, which actually isn't as consequential as it sounds because nobody really expected banks to increase dividends. Talking to analysts afterwards, the top eight banks and some of the others have already suspended the share buybacks that make up about 70% of their capital return. Nobody really expects them to resume those anytime soon either. What's a bit more concerning is the Fed is planning to review this on a quarter by quarter basis. They're also asking banks to resubmit their capital plans later this year, taking into account the current environment. They're talking about potentially running further stress tests later in the year. What all that adds up to is a lot of uncertainty. So the Fed has changed how they set capital this year. And investors had hoped that would give banks more autonomy and more clarity over how they were going to distribute dividends and do share buybacks. Now it's actually moving in the opposite direction. And what's happening is there's a lot of uncertainty. If you're a bank investor, it's really hard to say that that they will definitely get their dividends beyond the third quarter or what level of dividend they might get. So the Fed is basically keeping all the power here, but not really using a whole lot of it yet. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. Before we go, the FT wants to let you know that we're here to help when it comes to your summer reading list. Check out the FT's annual summer book series, where our writers and critics choose their favorites of 2020 so far. And they cover a variety of subjects, from politics, economics, science, and history, to art, tech, food, and wellness. And there are plenty of novels, poetry, and audiobooks, too. You can find 200 books to add to your summer reading list at ft.com slash summerbooks2020. That's ft.com slash summerbooks2020. The FT News Briefing is produced by Amy Keene, Fiona Simon, and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Amelia Mahasik, and we had help from Gavin Coleman and Michael Bruning. Our theme song is by Metaphor Music. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. 
If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.